Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Inside LAFC. I am Max. Hope you're enjoying your your week out there. Uh, I know it's very hot all over Los Angeles. Last thing you need for me to say is that it's hot because you are abundantly aware of that. And uh, yeah, conserve your power. I'm getting this from Southern California Edison, as I'm, I'm sure you are here. Uh, a few news items to discuss here before I bring in my guest. Uh, just so you know, it's Kobe Jones, who a uh, member of the LA Galaxy, as LAFC prepared to play the Galaxy here on the weekend. And, and I thought about this for a while. It was, I said, it's a good idea to, because I know Kobe well. Uh, I used to call his games. I worked with him. Uh, it'd be a good idea to, to discuss the shared space we have LAFC and the LA Galaxy and to see where this rivalry is going, to see what it's done already, and to, to take a closer look at the city of Los Angeles and all it brings to us in the world of soccer and how I, and I'm sure Kobe will agree, the, the ceiling's very, very high as we move forward. A few items to discuss. MLS in market was back. First game, Toronto FC and Vancouver. Toronto FC was at BMO Field. And if there is one thing we take away from this next phase of action returning as we hope to get supporters in here sooner than later. It's going to be a little bit, I would imagine, especially here in California, but to see them playing at the stadium is a step in, in the, in the right direction. The stadium frames the game. So when we were in Orlando and it's an empty field, it, it was hard to reference things. And even though the stadium's empty to see that is to me, gave me comfort that we are trending towards getting back to as close to normal as we possibly can. So the games are starting to roll out. LAFC will play the Galaxy on the 22nd. It's at 3 o'clock local time, I believe, and it'll be on Fox Network, which will be very cool. We'll all be tuning into that one. And make sure you tune into YouTube TV. We'll have four games. The first one, Real Salt Lake on the 26th. So if you don't have YouTube TV, give it a trial. Check it out. They've added a bunch of new channels, VH1 and BT and MTV. So in addition to all that in the sports, you get an LAFC channel, which is uh, it's pretty good. LAFC did move up the uh, waiver wire to sign Mohamed Traore. And he is an 18-year-old Senegalese center back. Uh, he was at the Montverde Academy in Florida. Uh, they had to move to the top of the waiver order. And I know folks probably saying, wait, where's the big money? LAFC has done on so many signings the last few years. This is uh, something for the future. John Thorrington saying Mohammed is an exciting young player with a lot of potential. Potential is the key word here. And LAFC have been so good with young players that this is a signing we'll have to be patient with. Uh, a guy with the physical tools. LAFC scouting goes above and beyond, and they identified him, and now they have brought him in. So it'll be good to see him develop and get the great training that everyone gets. And that's, no, that's just not lip service. We've seen what has happened to young players as they have grown, whether it was Diego Rossi, whether it's Eduardo Tuesta, and the list goes on. Bryce Duke, a young guy getting this valuable experience. That's going to pay off because LAFC have to build a winner for today, but they have to build a winner for tomorrow. And it makes this job so difficult. So many times you see teams build for today and maybe they're not keeping an eye on tomorrow and then tomorrow comes and well, there you go. They fall flat. So we welcome Mohammed. Uh, one other news item that came out this week uh, it certainly shocked a lot of us is Tom Penn stepping down. You know, I, 
I'm looking forward to speaking to Tom in the next couple of days. Obviously, he he's going to be taking over as the CEO of the CO, CO project. I believe that's how you say it. Uh, Tom is a, an incredible builder is what he did here at LAFC, uh, building this team along with uh, so many others that he identified and brought into the project to help build this. And now we have this incredible thing before us with a club, with a stadium, with a culture. And for that, we're all eternally grateful. So just from my perspective, uh, I owe Tom a debt of gratitude. He, uh, I was bugging him because this is the job I wanted. I was in Bristol, Connecticut, working at ESPN. Another job I wanted, but I wanted to come back to LA and I wanted to work in this sport again. So I would, I'd pop in every now and then and say, hey, Tom, how's it going? And then eventually said, yo, I'd love this job. And he didn't promise it to me, but uh, because of that, the work and I kept doing it. And then he started talking to people. I seemed like the right person for the job. I hope that still rings true. I, I certainly feel so. And I owe Tom a lot for that because he, uh, he f- fulfilled that dream, uh, not only to, to come back to LA and work in soccer, but now I have a dream job working with great people and everyone's happy. My family's happy. And thank you, Tom. And I look forward to speaking to you very soon. I'm going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll have the conversation with Kobe Jones to talk about the LA rivalry and soccer in this city. This is Inside LAFC. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you. Okay, we are back here on Inside LAFC. It is my pleasure to introduce a wonderful man, a guy who has been in Los, has probably seen the Los Angeles soccer scene better than anyone. He went to UCLA played, I think, 11 seasons with the Galaxy, now an analyst with them, uh, as well as many other uh, er, uh, places, including Fox Soccer. Kobe Jones. Hello, Kobe. How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Max. It's good It's good to be with you again. <laughs> 12 <laughs> seasons, by the way. 12 seasons? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> when I look at you, you're so young still. Like, there's no way you played 12 seasons, but apparently I there it is. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I used to call your games when I was at the Galaxy. And I know here on this LA, Inside LAC podcast, people are going to be like, wait a minute, wait, there, that's the enemy. There's uh, Kobe Jones. And I, you know, I thought about it and I reached out to you. This is uh, going to be the eighth meeting between the two clubs coming up this weekend. And while we share the same city, there, uh, there's a, a distance between a lot of things we do. And I figured, why not have a conversation about the shared space that we have? So, Let's see what. Let's see if we can do some good work here. So, um, talk about yourself and your connection to Los Angeles. You weren't born here, but this is your city. You've seen it from everywhere. So, how have you seen the sport grow here in LA? Right. Uh, okay. Well, the connection to start off your first question. I, I'm, I was born in Detroit. That's correct. But I moved away from Detroit when I was like three months old to the Los Angeles area. It's, you know, so at three months, you know, is when my LA uh, <laughs> lifestyle. But, but you still have those Detroit allegiances. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right, dude. Eight miles, dog. Eight miles. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I grew up in Los Angeles. I've seen Los Angeles, you know, as a kid playing here in the, the, the north of Los Angeles, you know, in the Valley area and beyond, you know, playing all over the city. My parents driving me all over, you know, to those weekend tournaments and Saturdays, you know, where you're playing all day. You know, that, that was my experience, you know, as a kid. You know, growing up in the LA area, grew up, uh, you know, high school, you know, in, here, went to UCLA, 
you know, had the experience of really starting to experience the south of Los Angeles more, you know, and all, and all of that through UCLA and everything that Ziggy Schmidt did there. Because uh, people forget, you know, at that time there was no other soccer. So when there was an off season in soccer, you know, your coach is pushing you to do all these other things. So we were playing in, in the uh, south of LA. We were playing games and all these different things. They just continue our soccer. Uh, and then, of course, you know, my experience in uh, with the national team, Olympic team and all that, you know, I was in, you know, wouldn't say Los Angeles, you know, but in, down in the Orange County area, you know, doing a lot, a lot of stuff there. So just Southern California in general. And as you mentioned, I've seen this landscape change drastically, you know, especially and exponentially over the last, you know, few years. And it's fantastic to see the growth of the game from being the outcast, you know, people saying, what's soccer? How does that play? You know, how do you do that? You know, do you, uh, do you kick goals? You know, it was a question I always got a lot. You guys kick goals, you know, that, that, that type of thing to now um, seeing soccer on television everywhere from Champions League uh, to different European leagues, MLS, you know, and anything and everything, you know, it, it's fantastic. But just in the participation part, that, that always was strong here. You know, we had AYSO, but even going, let's say go back to 1995, 1996, the beginning of Major League Soccer where you, you, you participated. But even prior to that, I should probably start at, what was that participation like in this city? It, it, it had to feel more like, it, it had to feel like more people were playing than the representation than we had. Well, yeah, when you're, you're talking in the early 90s, mid 90s, um, yeah, I, I saw, uh, you know, people from every background, every race, color, creed playing the game, you, you, you know, that, that's, and that kind of changed as I was older, because at that time, you know, I'm 24, 25 and stuff like that. So I, I was able to see a lot. Um, but still, like, you know, to be honest, the representation when most of that before the league was, you know, like the national team. And we can't forget, it was mainly, I guess, as far as the national team was pulling in like a suburban crowd in the L.A. area, you know, to be quite, to be honest with you. And so it was mainly white, you know, and that was the fan base, you know, as MLS started all of a sudden and, and people can't forget that first game you know, for the galaxy, you know, in, at the Rose Bowl where people, people forget this. We're expecting 20,000 fans, you know, that, that was it. Because I think people taking into account who was going to come, were thinking, okay, we had the world cup, you know, we saw the fan base there for the U S team. We're in suburbia in Pasadena, you know, so, okay, we'll get maybe 15, 20,000 for that opening game. And I can still remember pulling around and seeing just the not the Rose Bowl itself but the the bowl that the Rose Bowl is in that <laughs> valley and seeing all the cars and all the families the Latino families the white families the black families everybody from every background there just going wow this is first off we're gonna have more than 20,000 <laughs> and, sec <laughs> and secondly it showed that if you if you promote it and you give the people something that they want people are going to show up because people wanted it that badly from everyone like you like you mentioned max there was a lot of people participating you know and playing the game but there was nowhere to go and see soccer <laughs> you know except a one-off event 
you know, yeah. so when it finally came out, it was like, boom, you know, everyone's there, you know, it, it was, like I said, I'll, I'll never forget it. It'll always have a special place in my heart. Yeah. And I think when major league soccer arrived, there was always going to be a, a footprint in Los Angeles, but that, that was an indicator that this was going to be a stronghold. This is going to be a place where, you know, the league, it's going to have some deficiencies, obviously, but they could rely on uh, the LA market and it came through. That had to be a good feeling for you to roll in there. That's a uh, not diminished. And you were part, were you going to say? Yeah. Let, let, let me ask you that on that statement that you made about LA being a stronghold. And I'm asking you questions. Was it addressing? This when is great. It's think, a give and take. <laughs> when do you think they came about with that thought and idea that LA could be a stronghold? I, I, Right from the, the jump, I thought from Major League Soccer, and I was, I was working in soccer when it happened. I know I'm much, I'm much older than I look, Kobe, just like <laughs> you. But, uh, you know, I, I, I saw, you know, they had the, the New York, the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. You had uh, the LA Galaxy. Immediately, obviously, we had that first final in DC United, but you saw mm-hmm. where there was, the interest was percolating, where there was places where there was a connection to supporters. And I saw it with the galaxy i saw it with dc united and maybe you know san jose some other places where you saw that connection but i I, you immediately thought that the league would go as far as whatever happened in the city of los angeles and that i think i think i don't know if it was from the the beginning of the league but once they saw it developing obviously game one at the rose bowl that the team they had there there was, a, there was a lean in there knowing, not to mention the ownership with Philip Anschutz, who was going to be a guy who's going to oversee this uh, in, in a bigger role than other owners, that I thought that lean was there. Okay, well, that, well, Philip Anschutz came later. Correct, yeah. And, and the, the whole thing with that lean into LA, I completely agree with you. It was, it was after the fact, because I, I always have to emphasize this, that because I think it's a shock and it's a great story. Most people in MLS, you know, and the players from the national team as they were placing players throughout the league, I think people have to remember that too, is nobody wanted to go to LA because they did not think LA could draw fans. Really? You know, I, yes. I remember I was in Brazil when I was talking with the league and uh, saying, okay, negotiating coming back and where I could go. You know, I was an LA guy. I wanted to play in LA and they wanted me in LA, you know, but I know for a fact as, as they were placing player, you know, one player in each market, they had offered LA to two other players that I know of. And those players said no. And the reasoning was they didn't think that LA would get a fan base. Why do you think (laughs) But why would I, and, and I get, and I understand. And and look, think, when, think about that now. Look yeah, I know. Where we are now. When, when MLS, I agree. When MLS starts, they're like, oh, we have to have a team in LA. There's no ifs, yes. ands, or buts. We have to have a team in New York. We have to have a team in Washington, D.C. We've got to have these teams in these markets that we assume, yeah, it, it, there's population centers. Yes. But I, I, you, you saw it develop because quickly you noticed the, the nature of the supporters there very quickly. But why did you think that? Why would you think some people would say, no, it's not, I don't think it's going to work out there. Is it because of Lakers and Dodgers and because? Well, I, I, first off, it's, it's not, why do I think? I know that those <laughs> two players didn't think it would work in Los Angeles. Um, is it, it is, is it because, because of LA, you, Is it the LA thing where, hey, we, we have so much other things to do? It's, it's exactly. It, 
remember there were some semi-professional leagues before, you know, in, in all around the country and Los Angeles never really drew. So there was that where some of the players thought, mm, right, yeah, he's not going not, not, not to get fair. anything. Um, then there's also what you said. You have the L.A. lifestyle. Hey, you know, we don't need another sport. We got the Dodgers. We got the Lakers. You know, there's the Clippers. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to go surfing. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be outdoors. I'm not going to go see a soccer game. Soccer. There was still that mentality of soccer being the, uh, you know, the seventh or eighth sport that people would be interested in. So they did not believe that, um, that people want to see it. But, that, but that's that whole thing where they were asking the wrong people, you know, right. of who, who was going to go to the game. They forgot a whole base that really came out, that, especially that Latino base that really came out and supported. That wasn't about, oh, I'm going to buy a season ticket, but it was about I'm going to buy a ticket the day of or get some type of package and I will do that on a consistent basis as long as I am entertained. And fortunately, the L.A. team was very entertaining at the beginning. And you saw the 67,000-plus at the first match and continues with 50,000, 30,000, 40,000. I mean, that, that was incredible, you know, for Los Angeles. There, there, was, there was an appetite. Look, I grew up in Miami, and, you know, they obviously have a soccer team, and I think they have challenges growing up there when – they said people aren't going to show up for, for, for sporting events, whether they had the, you know, the Miami heat had their issues, but they had a hockey team didn't draw the Miami Marlins or the Florida Marlins. Didn't draw. And that really was people in Miami would find other things to do, but Los Angeles has this, this heartbeat that is so connected to sports. So even though you have all these options, I would always think, and this is hindsight, obviously mm -hmm. would always think there would be that appetite and that desire to go out. And I think what you said about the tickets is interesting because it's all about season tickets. That's how clubs hit their bottom lines, but some, you know, people approach going to games a little differently and yeah. planning. I'd probably, I mean, I wouldn't get season tickets. I'd be, I'd be kind of like the go to the gate guy a lot of the times. Thankfully, I got a credential. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank the Lord for that. Right? No, but, but that, but that's true. And that, and we, like you said, clubs determine, you know, they make their bottom line off of season tickets, but you have to realize where your fan base is. And I don't think they realize where the fan base is at that time where you have, you know, at that time, Galaxy was getting sometimes, you know, 15,000, 20,000, like walk up, you know, to games, just knowing, you know what, we're going to go check out the game. Now that that's spectacular. And it, and it, it kind of changed the way of thinking, you know, in the, in the LA area, you know, at that time. You know, how it is now, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, depending on where you're at, your location, if, for any of the teams in MLS, if you're going to get a massive walk-up. You know, and I still think that's part of the reason, you know, um, they realize the importance of putting, you know, teams in downtown areas and stadiums in downtown areas because you can't, you have that option then to possibly get a massive walk-up. I always said that, you know, obviously we have the Galaxy. They, they, they built down in Carson. It was an opportunity where, you know, this was back when no stadiums were being built, certainly for soccer. And this was a state-of-the-art, multifaceted, with a, with a tennis court, a velodrome, and a, and a soccer stadium. That, yeah. that was number one. And they had the downtown. I always say that this city could probably have a third team strategically placed 
maybe in a place like Santa Ana, maybe in the Valley, maybe in the Inland Empire, because I think that sprawl for soccer is so large. I mean, that's a, that's a conversation for another day, but <laughs> I think what you saw with the Galaxy success and then with the LAFC success, it, it, it all happened very quickly with regards to draw. A lot of hard work on, on both fronts for that to happen. Also, the, uh, the players that you bring in, you, you, were, uh, you were identified as someone who come in but the Galaxy, when they started, went for a big Mexican star in Jorge Campos, Luis Hernandez. Uh, he came a, a couple of years later, correct? Yeah, yeah. He came, he came like 2000, 2001, I oh, believe. A few years later. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and LAC did that with Carlos Vela. Is that, is that a good direct direction? I mean, because LAFC went for the best player they could get talent-wise, and it's proved. And both Campos and Hernandez had good careers for the Galaxy. But they, they do come with that little extra benefit. In this, in this, yeah, game. yeah, and I, I don't uh, begrudge any of the teams doing it. I think you got to do it in the right way. You know, I'll give credit to LAFC where they they, they understand the marketplace. Getting a Mexican player in, player in there would work for them, and they did it right where they got a young, talented player. I think that's extremely important. And I think when you look at these teams, you know, in MLS, that that's what you have to do. You got to start looking at not just names anymore because you need someone that's going to benefit your club because the overall situation especially in big cities and more so in los angeles than anywhere else is you have to win yeah you have to be exciting you know because i tell you like we mentioned earlier people have a lot of choices in this town to do other things and i think that's why the galaxy you know benefited at the beginning look you get you get one chance to really grab the hearts and minds the Galaxy did that, you know, in that 60,000 game, winning the first game, being an exciting team and continuing along that path. LAFC has been exciting, you know, from the beginning. The Galaxy, as they move, exciting winning championships. So you, you have to grab hold of what you can at these major moments when there's a major shift happening. And that's how you move forward and get your club in the hearts and minds of the fan base. And I got to give credit to the Galaxy at year one. Didn't win the title. Very close to winning the title. But to be that successful with a bunch of guys coming together for the first time could, should, could, was never going to be easy. But you guys, what was, you guys gelled. Yeah, it was, it was a great group with uh, Mercio Cienfuegos in there, holding down the middle. Uh, El Tanque Hurtado, you know, the tank, you know, Eduardo <laughs> uh, up top, you know, where defenders were bouncing off of them left and right. Campos in the back, you know. We had Robin Frazier, Dan Kalishman, Greg Banning. You know, we had, a, we had a great squad, you know, that just came together, you know, at the right time. And not, and not like the biggest names. I think that's something that people have to realize. We created a, a great team, you know, and where everybody was, was, was working together, you know, to get things going. And, and, and for myself, too, I wasn't the biggest name, you know, coming into L.A. You know, when you're talking about that national team, you, you have to remember, there's the Winaldas, the Balboas, the Harks, the Miolas, you know, all, all of that, the Lalases that were coming into the league you know, at that time, right after the 94 World Cup. So those were like the superstars. You know, I just happened to be, you know, one of those guys on the, one of the guys on the squad. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. Uh, so I, I think there's, a, there's, again, it's a shared uh, experience for these clubs. And I, I thought it was very interesting what you said. It's like you, you go with the big name, but you got to go with L.A. loves winners. I mean, that's a, it's kind of a cliche, but it really isn't. I mean, 
Yeah. I think this city gives you an opportunity and you win, they stick around. If they lose, you'll see diminish. I mean, and the reason I say that, because I think other cities, even if you win, you still have to fight to get that. But there's that connection to winning and also the pizzazz part uh, or the, the excitement part with both these teams, generally the way they play have done it. So with that shared experience, let's, let's talk a bit about uh, the, the, the two prong soccer clubs here in Los Angeles. How have you seen day one, game one, which we were down there at Dignity Health Sports Park, it was the Zlatan game. How have you seen the body of those games? It, was it what you expected? Is What stood out? <laughs> Zlatan. Zlatan. Uh, you know, Zlatan and Vela, I think they have 18 goals combined. Yeah. And it's, it's unbelievable. Look, I think it was... Yeah. You know what, MLS and, and soccer in, in Los Angeles, soccer in Los Angeles, is, is really blessed when you think about it. It's had some of the most amazing and perfect opportunities for teams starting out. I mean, who could have asked for a better game? Now, I know the LAFC fans are going to be upset, you know, about that, that game and the end result. But if you look at that game, you couldn't have asked for a better, uh, I, I guess, show, you know, for the fans and the fan base, that will live forever in the sport. I mean, you have LAFC coming into, you know, the LA Galaxy Stadium, tearing it up, you, you know, dominating, you know, at the beginning. And this huge signing for the Galaxy, you know, sitting on the bench, the crowd saying, we want Zlatan, and then putting him in, and, I mean, he does his first touch. It's a goal from 30, 40 yards out, and then he ends up getting, you know, game winners, all that stuff, and the Galaxy winning the game. Now, look, the LAFC fans are going to be upset that we're talking about it and stuff like that. The Galaxy fans are going to like it, right? But it goes back and forth, you know, between the two teams. You have Bella on the field and everything that he was doing with the great goals. You had Zlatan on the field. It's a perfect story. If I'm if people in our position as broadcasters and talking about the game, it's absolutely perfect. It's wonderful. That's why I say not only was Zlatan blessed or kissed by the gods, so was MLS. So was soccer in, in the Los Angeles area. That's exactly what you want. And you have two teams now that are vying, you know, for control, for kingship of Los Angeles. LAFC is on the rise right now where the Galaxy are having some issues. And, and I feel you're going to see this switch back and forth over years. That's the nature of sports. But for me, you know, having, being a Galaxy guy, but never having played against LAFC, and everyone out there remember that for all the people that come up to me and give me <laughs> crap, you know. I never played against you guys, all right? I wasn't in the league, you know, when, um, when LAFC was around. But I, I, think it's, I think it's what you want. This is what you want to build soccer in the country, but in Los Angeles, you know, specifically. You want two teams vying for each other, and you actually want two good teams vying for the top spots because it just builds and, and, and has people talking more and more. I talk to the LAFC supporters a lot about this. You know, they, they, they pull against the Galaxy at every turn, and I'm sure the Galaxy supporters pull against LAFC at every turn. But I, I, I remind them, deep down, you want them to be somewhat successful so that these games carry weight. 
I would almost think in a perfect world, I'd like to see LAFC beat the Galaxy every time. Maybe not every time because that would diminish the rivalry, but I, I would love to look at the standings and see both those teams right at the top in the Western Conference. I think that's healthy for the city. That's healthy for the rivalry. It's healthy for the league. And just your thought about that first game, I, I, I also tell the fans, I go, it, it's probably better off it ended that way because it, it raised the stakes and when I went there, I've been, you know, I've been to that stadium many times down uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park. And I've never seen it like that because the LFC supporters, you have this section of black and gold and it felt so visceral. I've never experienced anything like that in any venue here in Amazing Soccer where you had like this, this just distribution of fans going back at each other, the colors, the pageantry. It just, I almost, I didn't want it to end. And I mean, as much as I like to see these two play at Bank of California Stadium, because that, because the Galaxy Park's a little bigger, it can, it can raise the roof with the numbers. And you know, the LAFC supporters are going to go there and it's going to be a spectacle. So I, I, I think as painful as that day was, it, as for a first act, I thought it was, it, it fed this rivalry what it needed for that. Anything else, like if LAFC was up 3-1 and wins at 3-1, then everything changes. And I think all of a sudden it provided LAFC with a target in this city, which was pretty valuable as we've seen this rivalry move forward. I would agree with you 100%. Uh, it, it would have, well, I, I can't say it would have lost you know, some of it. I would say uh, it wouldn't be the same and as intense you know, as it is now, you know, when you have just spectacular moments you know determining the outcome of a game <laughs> yeah. that that's what you want you don't want to see the games are always entertaining which is incredible i mean uh maybe not the last one for the galaxy it, at mls is back but the games you just kind of held your breath and we'll see where it goes from here L, the lafc is one of the last two but they i think you can you can put it in you're going to get goals you're going to get entertainment yeah no that that's what it's all about it's about entertaining the fans and, you know, and the people that's a big part of, of the sport is to be entertaining. And I think, you know, like, like you said, LAFC is on the rise right now. They've got a couple, you know, a couple of wins in a row and that that's important because now, you know, the, the question is, okay, what's the galaxy's response? You've got to be able to respond, you know, in the near future to come back at your rivals. This is, this is what we want, right? Rivals going back and forth and figuring out ways to beat the opponent. That's where the, the, some of the best stories in, uh, I was going to almost said football culture because I was thinking of England, but soccer culture occur. You got Manchester United, Manchester City, you know, th those are something, Liverpool, Everton, you know, these are, these are the ones that you, you want and the stories to be made. I mean, one of, one of the big things within MLS that comes up every year, two years, three years, is what's the greatest rivalries ever in MLS, right? Don't LA fans want it to be the LA rivalry? You know, you want that to be the best rivalry in the game so that people are watching it and paying attention to it around the US and around the world. Around the you world, know, that's yeah. the big thing. You want people going in Europe going, look at this. This is absolutely amazing. This is fantastic. In Asia, in Africa, tuning in because you want to see this rivalry. So where does it stand as a rivalry? I think it has the attention of the globe. I think the last two games from last season, the playoff game and the last regular season game, it felt that way. And we could see with the numbers it created for MLS, which struggles with TV numbers, but it blew the door off of that. So 
Where do you think it stands with re- regards to Major League Soccer rivalry? I think, I mean, me personally, I want to put it at the top, but it's still too young. And I think out of respect, I think the, what they've done in the Pacific Northwest with Portland, Seattle, I would, I would tend to go number one, but it's got to be right up there, no? Yeah, it, it, it is up there, uh, you know, and I think what we've got to see is we've got to see the, the continual, uh, I guess, battle, you know, between the two teams. You know, that's the big issue, making sure that, as you mentioned earlier, that both teams are competitive, that it's always close, that it's always exciting. If you start getting blowouts all the time, you know, blowout every once in a while is good because then all of a sudden it fires up the other side. What are we going to do? What are we, you know, panic right. mode, you know? Um, but you, you need to have two teams that are good and that are always pushing each other, you know, pushing each other to be better. And I think that's what we're, we're aiming for in this rivalry. I would say it's, it's up there. Probably. I don't see another rivalry outside of that Pacific Northwest, you know, rivalry of Portland, Seattle, of being any, anything close well, that's the only one. That's the only one that's more so than this yeah. one. You, you know, have the ones like New my... York on the Atlantic seaboard, but I just don't – they don't grab you like this. And I don't want to step out uh, – speak out of turn because uh, some of those have already put a lot of games in over the years. But I just – it doesn't quite grab you. Those people back east, they're going to be angry at you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to upset anyone. I'm always yeah. going to say – Someone always gets yeah. angry. That's one thing you learn in sports. Someone's always going to get angry. <laughs> what do you see with the supporter uh, side of this? This is maybe the most uh, incredible development of, of it all. Uh, there is a rivalry name, the El Trafico has caught the traction. I know we at LFC pushed back a bit, and, I, and I'm pushing back a bit now because there was a recent article on The Athletic, and they spoke to Eduardo Atuesta, and he kind of pointed out, it goes, it doesn't say anything about the – the actual game. What does it mean? I know there's, there's traffic, there's traffic all over LA, yeah. uh, but I, I like it. It's catchy. And it, it's probably the name we have at this point, but what do you think about that? And what the supporters have brought to this matchup? Well, for the name, you know, I should just think it's just call it the King of LA or something like that. All right. <laughs> you know, all right. <laughs> uh, you know the, something along those lines, we can, we can find something. Uh, I can get, a, never I can get a good sponsor for the King of LA. I'm thinking El Rey Taco and then, well, you get the, you get the crowd. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I'm already, you know, making sure that, you know, I got the claim to that. So. Go <laughs> <laughs> no, be making uh, money. There we go. Making money all the time. No, I, I, I've never been a fan of the El Trafico name, you know, so I would, I would agree with Atuesta. Um, but going to the fans, you know, I think it, more power to them to make the game exciting. They're, you know, on both sides, they're the ones that are making it, um, you know, I, I guess taking the game to another level. And I think we're seeing the results of that even more as we saw down in the bubble without fans that, you know, quite frankly, the game without fans can be a little stale, you know, it can be a little slow the, the down times show up more, you know? So I think we're, start, we realize how important those fans are. And I think all the fans, all the supporters groups should realize how important they are to the game and how much they affect what happens going on the field. And we're seeing it in all sports, but I think this is, you know, I don't want to give too many ideas, but it's saying to the fans, Hey, look how powerful you are, yeah. you know, and what you do as that 13th man, you know, or that 13th person that's really helping and spurring, 
your team your team forward. So all the time and effort that the the supporters groups and the fans put into chants, that put into uh, the tifos, uh, put into organization and songs and. I, I think it's absolutely incredible. But the thing that tops it off more than anything else that I tip my hat, which I rarely do. You to, never wear it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that great hair. <laughs> tip my hat to the supporters groups for these standing sections only because I couldn't do it. I give you guys all the credit. Exhausting. Standing up for 90 minutes. My Lord, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm too old for that now. I'm, oh. I'd be like, nah, man, nah, I can't. <laughs> I got to sit down. So I give them credit to be standing up and jumping up and down and giving the cheers. I love it. <laughs> oh. Kobe, you know, I pitched this idea to some of the folks at LFC and we said, well, let's tread lightly because I'm so glad I did it. Uh, you've provided great answers. And I think your, your wealth of knowledge, you'd be crazy not to talk to you in a when it comes to soccer in LA, regardless of allegiances. So I appreciate your time. By the way, do you have a prediction for this weekend's game? <sighs> I don't predict, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I just explain what's going on. That's all. <laughs> well, fair I, I predict it's, I predict that, uh, that people are going to be happy at the end of this match. Good. I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think, I think it's a step in the right direction. Just being at the stadiums, we, just being there is, is opposed to an empty field in the middle of central Florida is going to give people some hope that we're getting closer. And as we talked about supporters, our league is nothing without them. They are the best. They are the best of us. So yeah, we, the, we look forward to are. seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like you said, they're, they're the best of us. And it's fantastic to see that we're slowly moving forward into this situation that eventually we'll be able to have, you know, get back to full supporters groups, you know, going out there and cheering and, and jumping up and down, you know, and, and doing it in a, in a respectful way. That's, I think is one of the most important things that, that we've got to give credit to the supporters groups and the fans that do this in a respectful way that respect the opponent's fans coming over and, and respect, you know, each other. That that's one of the biggest things that I think needs to be mentioned because it's really important. We don't want to get into situations in the future where we are, you know, where fans can't even travel to other stadiums because it's just too dangerous. That's not who we are in, in this country and with this sport. It's, it's got to be respectful all the way around and everyone, you know, what? cheer, talk some smack, you know, you know, jump up and down, boo, yell. I don't care about that. You know, I think that's fantastic. I think that's all good. But make sure it's done respectfully, that you're not getting up in people's faces. You're not confronting, you know, people and trying to make people uh, and, and trying to be antagonistic. I guess yeah. that's the best way to put it, yeah. you know. So uh, hopefully that message continues across the lines to everybody within MLS. Yeah, they've done a great job. Kobe, appreciate your time. And uh, we'll see you here at some point in, in person. And I look forward <laughs> to that. And for everyone, Thanks, listening, for everyone listening, even on the East Coast, if you may be upset after what we said, please rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe to the podcast. And we'll be back here again next week. Thanks for listening.